and first episode of the offseason with the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gadiel Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we talk our biggest takeaways and lessons learned from the 2020 fantasy football season. What's up guys welcome back to the first take fantasy football podcast our first podcast of 2021 and while america is seemingly tearing itself down we are going to tear down the nfl season and talk our takeaways from the fantasy season pretty much i mean obviously we're a fantasy podcast but you want to take some lessons with you in order to get better as a fantasy football player it's really not like a every time you just do your draft and then you, it's a blank slate at the beginning of every single year especially in redraft I think there is something that you can learn and add to your process every single year. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We have 10 takeaways and honestly could be a lot more based upon the things that happened this year. I think like we learned a lot in terms of what works and doesn't work or what gives you the best likelihood to succeed in fantasy football. Cause really you're just playing the probabilities in this game. Um, but anyways, we are going to talk to takeaways, Tyler, what is your first takeaway from the fantasy football season? Pretty much. Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind, and uh, it just so happens to be the first takeaway on the list that we posted on Instagram, uh, it's just following trends. And uh, that, that starts with uh, snap shares, uh, target shares, and um, all the shares. Yeah, just just following all the shares. And all, the like, perc- all, the, all the pieces of the pie. Like, that's what you need to know about. Exactly. And the two situations that come to mind to me uh, first and foremost is Keenan Allen with the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, when Justin Herbert got put into the uh, starting lineup week two, Keenan Allen was getting an enormous target share with Justin Herbert. And obviously that that followed through throughout the season. Uh, Keenan Allen was an extreme target hog throughout the season. And, you know, he, he delivered on wide receiver one numbers when he was gotten at the fifth round of your draft. So, um I think that was a trend that um, you could have picked up very early on in the season. Uh, another another trend that I, I saw that comes to mind is um, the snap shares for the Cincinnati Bengals running backs. So early on, I think that we all assumed that the Bengals would not be a great team this year, uh, just because of the, the the way that their their outlook is for uh, this team, like they're, they're a rebuilding team, and throughout the first three or four weeks, we did not see a large snap share from Joe Mixon. And um, yeah, it was I, like 50 percent ish. Like it was really, it, it was hovering. It was getting way too much burn. Yeah. It was hovering around that 50, 55% snap share. And that's not what you like to see from a guy that oh, for you, you Joe Mixon stands probably drafted him in the first round, maybe early second round. And you, you see this guy, Giovanni Bernard, who's good in his own right, but he isn't a, a, a franchise running back, is taking away snap shares. And that had a lot to do with the game script that they had throughout the season and throughout those th- first three or four weeks. Bengals were down in a lot of those games. And when they were down, they went, they said, all right, screw this uh, running game. Like, we're just going to go straight to the passing. Like, put in Gio Bernard. He's a he he can uh, pass block and he's a better receiving back arguably than Joe Mixon. So that's what we saw throughout the season. Obviously Joe Mixon ended up getting hurt and we didn't, Gio Bernard ended up being somewhat of a workhorse in that situation. But uh, those were two kind of 
situations that stuck out to me, stuck out to me that we could have picked up early on in the season that um, really, it really reflected what was going to happen for the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, definitely you see the things that the coaches do early on in the season. I mean, obviously those things can change. Uh, That's why you want to keep track of these pretty much the entire year. Uh, The easiest thing to get is trade targets, trade targets. If you can find a discrepancy in how someone is being valued as opposed to uh, what their actual usage and numbers are trending towards, um, then you can try to find a great trade target. And the, the number one example that I like to use for that is Keenan Allen. I mean, we saw that after the Saints game where he missed after the first, he, he played the first drive, had like four targets on that first drive, looked incredible with Justin Herbert. And then he got hurt and that, that, that time missed opened up a little by window because Keenan Allen was at like a 40% target share with Justin Herbert. I mean, he had 40 targets through three games, which is legitimately insane, um, especially given a wide receiver of his caliber. Like, it was just such such an easy buy. And those trends, especially at the running back position too, I mean, some teams just use committees, but if you're able to find a guy that is eventually taking over that backfield, then you will get a lot of return on value. I mean, with Ronald Jones, that is another player that comes to mind where he slowly started taking a little bit more of the chair and you could have bought him in the middle of the season as a committee back when in reality, he was pretty much a workhorse until he got hurt uh, late in the season. And then Leonard Fournette ended up taking that workhorse role to end the year. But I mean, there, there's just a lot to follow with trends. I mean, Snap, snap percentage, target share, running back opportunity share. Those are like the three main numbers that really stick out to me. You can also check air yards, but air yards could mean one of two things. They could mean uh, you just don't have chemistry with the quarterback or you don't have that great of a quarterback. So in reality, you really want to follow yards, but air yards definitely gives you opportunity. Um, also, average depth of target is another stat that I like to follow just to know who's getting high value targets. Um, those are all just things like numbers that I personally like to follow. Another thing that I want to talk about today is buying the talent, not the situation. So this, it applies to redraft, but it is more applicable in dynasty, especially. Um, But it's all the same. It's still football. And if you're going to buy a player, you do not want to overemphasize their situation and then pay a premium for a talent that is not as good as somebody else. And the perfect example for me in this situation is Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Jonathan Taylor. Um, a lot of people had Clyde Edwards-Alaire pretty much as the 1.01 in their rookie drafts because he landed with the Kansas City Chiefs. And while that is a great landing spot and CEH, he's honestly looked good. I think they missed a honestly better value on a player with a much higher likelihood to become a superstar. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he's a complimentary running back. He will never be the entire offense, especially when he's with Kansas City. He's going to be a guy that happens to produce because he's in such a good offense. But Jonathan Taylor is the offense. That is the difference between these two players. And that's the talent that Jonathan Taylor possesses. He possesses workhorse talent. Um, And I just think it was, this is where a lot of people fell victim to buying situation when in reality buying talent was there. I mean, CEH had a good season, but Jonathan Taylor, it broke out as a true superstar. I mean, he had the most, I believe the second most uh, rushing yards by a rookie ever in a game. And he had like a top 15 all-time rushing performance in week 17 against Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, it's the Jaguars, but those kinds of games are the only games that Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook were having this year. 
that just goes to show you how good Jonathan Taylor can be. Um, that's just one of the situations. Um, some other names that come to mind, especially with rookies, is like J.K. Dobbins, uh, Antonio Gibson. Uh, they were all players that at the beginning of the season, their situation was not fantastic. They were either in a committee, uh, just a bad offense. But at the end of the day, if a dude is ridiculously talented and you believe in his talent, go ahead and try to get him on your team. I think it really boils down to that. We saw it years ago with A.J. Brown. Um, like good players are good players, regardless of where they go. And if it's a bad player in a bad situation, then obviously they will bust. But if it's a bad player in a good situation, um, that's really a sheep in wolf's clothing. That's really not what you want. I mean, they're going to look and sit all pretty, but it, at the end of the day, they're not going to give you the return on value that you need. And at the end of the day, you're, this is pretty much stocks. You're playing for return on value, especially in dynasty. Um, that this is like, one of the biggest takeaways from this year, like talent means so much in football and you can have the most ideal situation in the world. Like things happen and the most talented player more likely than not will be the one that is getting the touches and ultimately scoring the fantasy points. Yeah. I want to, I want to stay on this topic and go with a micro perspective. Um, Week 13, it was a many, many people's make or break uh, week for, getting into the fantasy playoffs and you know Josh Jacobs I, I think he ended up being out for for that game for the Raiders were playing the the New York Jets and Josh Jacobs was out so Devontae Booker was the presumed starter and a lot of us including a lot of people including us had Devontae Booker as like a mid to low RB2 yeah someone, someone you could that, play it with that, confidence yeah someone that you could play with confidence but a guy like Devontae Booker, all due respect, he got to the to the league. That that's quite the accomplishment. But he, at the end of the day, he's a backup running back, and backup running backs should not be relied on in a make or break game. So that that's just like one little situation that uh, that kind of popped out to me when considering buying talent over situation because you were taking Devon, you were starting Devonte Booker over a lot of guys yeah. during that week 13 uh, make or break game. So, um, and also, I yeah. mean, this doesn't fully relate, but like, I know Dalvin cook is someone that, I mean, we mentioned he might've been a sell, but he was really still going to be a top 10 running back throughout the fantasy playoffs because he's freaking Dalvin cook. Like he's so talented. And a lot of people were really scared of Dalvin cook, playing in i believe it was week 16 against the new orleans saints it was it was, um, a, it was a shit show of uh schedule it was like yeah chicago it was just a bad schedule yeah, like uh yeah he had like tampa bay chicago and new orleans which is in yeah. for like for your average running back that's like a death schedule like i don't think josh jacobs not that he's average but he's not a player that given his situation i think could overcome that kind of defensive talent um, let's say hypothetically put Josh Jacobs in there, maybe James Robinson. They don't put up RB1 numbers guaranteed those weeks. But Dalvin Cook is just so freaking talented that it doesn't matter. Like these good players, they overcome bad situations. That's pretty much the one takeaway that it, the most important thing is talent. Um, but like you said, talking about Devontae Booker, I'm going to skip over a takeaway here. Uh, I'll let you talk about injury report after. But I do want to talk about when you are choosing waivers, you do want to chase season-long upside with these guys. You do not want to over-prioritize uh, one guy that could be a one-week fill-in. Like, uh, one name that really stands out to me is, like, a DJ Dallas. I remember there was weeks where DJ Dallas was there, and for some reason, Brandon Ayuk was available on a lot of waiver wires. 
um, or Debo Samuel too, because he was coming back from injury. Like those two guys were available. And DJ Dallas was a guy that some people maybe over prioritized getting a guy that was going to be a running back that could maybe score 10 points for one week. And they missed out on Brandon Ayuk, who was a top three wide receiver for a long stretch of the season. Um, that's just like, you don't want to over-prioritize guys that are going to fill in for one, maybe two weeks. You want to try to get guys that can be on your roster. You can hold on to them and they can either develop into like a blue chip trading asset, or they can develop into a starter. The same thing happened with Justin Jefferson and T Higgins. I remember when Chase Claypool had his breakout game, it was like week four, week three. Uh, Justin Jefferson was still on waivers in 10 team leagues. T Higgins was still on waivers in 10 team leagues. And this is just speaking from experience here. I was personally sitting like waiver priority six or something. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to get Chase Claypool. I might as well prioritize getting Justin Jefferson and see if I can get T Higgins as well. And lo and behold, I woke up at like 7am the next morning and I ended up getting both of them. And that, that was really my like wide receiver core for a few weeks of the season. Like you can get season long upside. You want to chase the guys that uh, pretty much, I'm not saying to chase a specific archetype because Cole Beasley was another guy that really just emerged off the waiver wire too. But you want to chase young players who have the opportunity, especially a receiver, like an outside receiver and the guy to be a potential alpha receiver. You want to get that guy on your team because at the end of the day, you don't know how talented these guys are going to be. Like they can break out at any given time. And I mean, in my favor, it worked out with uh, Justin Jefferson and T Higgins. But these guys can literally break out at any time. You want to get the young players that are going to see a lot of opportunity. And if they're talented, it's going to give you return and fantasy points. So that's just my personal experience on it. Like, yes, Chase Claypool looked fantastic. But at the end of the day, I mean, hindsight is obviously 2020. I'm not faulting anybody for taking Chase Claypool at that point. But it was going to be really hard for Chase Claypool, especially with the Steelers running game also rolling for Chase Claypool to become consistent because there's already Deontay Johnson, already Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, Eric Ebron was also getting work. James Conner was getting a ton of volume. It, it was a high-powered offense, but it was not a consistent offense uh, per se. So that is just <clears> – <throat> those are like a few situations that I think um, I definitely learned from. Uh, I'm definitely going to emphasize players that are going to be getting that opportunity off the waiver wire and players that I also either – I think they're talented or I don't know how talented they are. I'm not going to try to chase guys like uh, Brian Hill, who's going to be a starter for like two to three weeks and eventually end up getting burned. Like he will probably lose you a week when these other guys, you can hold on to them onto your bench until you feel comfortable playing them. And then you have an actual asset on your hands. I think this definitely stems out off of the uh, point that we made before buying talent over situation. You talk about three guys, uh, Chase Claypool, Justin Jefferson and T Higgins um, that were all available around that that week five week six range and you also talked about uh the the fill-ins that you could have gone during the, that same time like the brian hills of the world the, the the dj dallas's of the world that were also available and in some situations were more highly prioritized than those other guys so you talk about would you rather have brian hill fill in for for you as a starter maybe for one week, maybe two weeks, same thing with DJ Dallas, or would you rather have an asset that you've seen display some, some pretty good potential over the first few weeks and could possibly break out during the second half of the season, which like we saw with like Brandon, IU, Justin Jefferson, Jefferson was a bit earlier, but um, T Higgins as well. But yeah, it just, 
it's further emphasizing like prioritize like taking the more talented guy over uh the better situation that that kind of that's what we're seeing with with this uh this this yeah 100 percent. and i remember this this just popped into my brain i remember there was i don't know who this is i'm not trying to call anybody out um but we we received a dm through our instagrams um someone asking should they drop jonathan taylor to pick up brian hill i remember that being a legitimate question that was asked i don't know if it was on twitter or instagram but that's that's just something that was actually it was it was a question because jonathan taylor looked horrible brian hill was going to get more opportunity but we, we kind of knew about Brian Hill and we did not know exactly what Jonathan Taylor could be, although he did not look fantastic. Um, if you believe in a guy, buy them. I mean, we preached it a lot with these rookies down the stretch. Like this rookie class was insane and they ended up paying off. So yeah. Um, anyways, if you want to go get onto that third takeaway. Oh, the injury report. So you just gotta, you gotta stay locked into the injury report. Um, you know, in some cases, uh, You'll, you'll get updates on Monday or Tuesday, but for the most part, injury report comes out Wednesday and, you know, it's, it's after the waiver wire, but you can still find out, like, you find out information about your potential starters, um, or your start, your starting running backs or whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's an asset that you, you need to make use of because like, literally anything can happen at any time, especially during this season in specific. Yeah. Where, COVID. Yeah. COVID. Like you could literally, like someone could have a positive COVID test literally like right, like right now. Like we just saw Kevin Stefanski yesterday. Like I woke up uh, yesterday morning and heard that Kevin Stefanski has COVID and he's going to be out for this week. So that, that, that was just one case with the coach. Like those cases were happening with players like all throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Um, obviously that goes beyond the injury report that, that, that kind of stuff comes in even Monday or Tuesday, Yeah. but basically just staying on top of that, the injury report, staying on top of, uh, updates with your players is, uh, extremely important throughout the season. You really do not know what's going to happen. Um, and especially with the injury report, because of that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, if there is no waiver, if there's no waivers, you're just talking about guys that could help you win on the in the free agency market like let's say uh chris carson did not practice wednesday and you're just seeing that so you can go and pick up a, a dj dallas or now rashad penny i think that he's coming back but um it's just an asset that that fa- us fantasy players need to make use of because anything can happen at any given moment time yeah I, I definitely agree and one i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna try to relate situations so they can be more applicable for people um but one situation that i know specifically uh the injury report had a big big impact um this is honestly on the defensive side of the ball which is kind of crazy to say but the indianapolis colts playing against the tennessee titans i want to say in like week 11 maybe week 12 um you being someone that has Derrick Henry um, might've been a little bit worried about Derrick Henry going against the Colts just because the Colts are a really, really good front seven. But we saw that the injury report, like Bobby Okariki was out. Darius Leonard was out. They were missing DeForest Buckner, like two defensive linemen, three linebackers, uh, all starting caliber players. And if that, those kinds of players are missing, then you're going to have the utmost confidence of playing Derrick Henry. And lo and behold, I mean, Derrick Henry went for what, like 160 and three touchdowns that game. Like, it was just absolutely bonkers what he did. Um, 
And those kinds of things happen throughout the year, pretty much the entire time. I know also last year when Akeem Hicks was out for the Chicago Bears, their run defense went from being like top five to bottom five. And those kinds of things have a big impact. So it's not only on the offensive side of the ball too. It is on the defensive side of the ball. If you just like, I would recommend like subscribing to Adam Schefter on Twitter, maybe at my sports update on Twitter, or maybe like what I do personally is subscribing to team beat reporters where they will give you updates the minute they happen in camp. And it might be annoying. You're getting too many updates, like about pointless shit the entire time, but there's going to be those one or two times where you start seeing something that really sways you in the right direction. Um, and those things, I mean, they, they help a lot, like getting those little tidbits of news, they add up throughout the season. And at the end of the day, you probably have an advantage over your casual league mates just because you're so plugged into what exactly is going on in the NFL. Um, I think it's fun. Honestly, I'm just a sports junkie. I love hearing all this news about all this stuff. Um, and yeah, I'll just, I'll just end off with that. I do want to cover the fifth and sixth takeaways here. I'm going to do them both in one because um, I can use my fantasy team as an example. I, this is how I essentially won my league in my fantasy league. Um, the first one is, or the fifth one, is get an advantage wherever you can. So obviously you want to have stacked running backs, stacked wide receivers, but that is not the case all the time. It is hard to get that in fantasy football um, unless you're in like an eight-team league. Really, if you're in anything than 10 or more, it is very hard to have a stacked running back and receiving court. It is just not easy, but where you can take an advantage is people kind of undervalue the quarterback and tight end position, mainly the quarterback position. And if you're able to get a guy that can give you that 25 plus point upside, that can make up for having a running back that isn't going to go past 18 points. Like that can legitimately be the difference. I know personally, from my experience, I drafted Dak Prescott. I had Zeke as well. Um, and I also had Travis Kelsey. So Travis Kelsey was my advantage at the tight end position. And I had Dak Prescott, which was initially my advantage at the quarterback position. He got hurt, whatever, whatever. Um, I picked up Ryan Tannehill the following week. And then Justin Herbert popped up on the waiver wire. This doesn't happen in every league. So obviously I was very lucky. But Justin Herbert popped up on the waiver wire. I was the number three waiver priority. And there were guys like, I mean, I don't know exactly what running backs. I feel like Miles Gaskin was still available at that point. But I went ahead and I wavered Justin Herbert with that third priority just because I needed to fill my position. I needed someone that could give me that kind of upside. And Justin Herbert did that. And that is just like one of the few positional advantages that helped me get to the playoffs. And also you can see it with a guy like Young Ho Koo. Um, he was someone that ended up winning people a few games, like two or three games down the stretch of the season because he was in a high-powered offense that really struggled in the red zone. And that ended up being a positional advantage for a few weeks. I mean, I personally lost a game to Young Ho Koo. So that is one thing. Always try to get an advantage where you can. Um, you can expend a little bit of depth at the running back or wide receiver position if you end up getting a sizable upgrade at tight end. Like I know Darren Waller was a prime trade target in the middle of the year. If you were able to get him, that made a huge difference for your fantasy team. So yeah, just try to get an advantage wherever you can. I do not understate the value of having a big time player at any level position. I mean, whether it's a defense, special teams, kicker, tight end, quarterback, those can all make a difference. And my sixth takeaway is you can lose value and still win the trade. Now, this is, I think, one of the biggest problems with people in fantasy football. Um, we all fall victim to it. We don't want to end up being the guy where you send the trade in the group chat and everyone goes, oh my gosh, why is he doing that trade? Um, 
but the, you can still win trades in doing so because there's sometimes there's situations that are just so easy to pick out as to that they're not going to work out. They're just not going to be that good. And then there's other players where there's just a ton of unknown. So my personal experience, Tyler, I think I've talked about this multiple times on this podcast at this point. So people honestly probably don't care, but I traded Ezekiel Elliott, Jameson Crowder, and Melvin Gordon in the middle of like week six or seven, uh, shortly after Dak had broken his ankle and Zeke just did not look great. I was like, you know what? I'm done with the Zeke business. I'm out. Um, I'll sell him high or sell him for whatever I can. I'll sell, sell Crowder high, sell Melvin Gordon, meh. And I got back Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Brandon Ayuk. I remember, I think you texted me saying, wow, like that was a lot of value that I gave up. I got like three more texts from people in our league saying, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, do you want me to veto it? And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. Just try to see, let it play out. It was obviously a huge risk. Like I ended up looking smart, looking back on it. But like in the moment, I was literally sitting there like, oh my gosh, what have I done? And I lost value in the trade, but it ended up working out eventually. And I think people are so short-minded in fantasy football that like you can try to see a project how someone will develop throughout the year. And if they don't, oh, well, you took a risk and you missed out. I mean, that's just life. But there also will be the time where you try to take a risk and you try to think ahead and you end up looking really, really smart because Ezekiel Elliott was not going to get better. That offensive line, Zach Martin was on IR, Tyron Smith, IR, L. Collins, IR, Dak Prescott, IR. It was just not a good situation. So I think that is one scenario where I think losing value is really not the end of the world. You can lose value and still win the trade down the road. It just won't. It might not look like you're winning the trade immediately it might take two to three weeks for that to develop to that point, but you can still win the trade. If you are technically speaking, losing the trade at first, that is just one of my takeaways from this year. I feel very, very strongly about that. I think it is important to try to trade projecting forward rather than projecting or looking at what somebody currently is in that moment at those, those positions, quarterback, tight end, kicker defense. I, I've been a person that has not been a huge proponent of grabbing quarterbacks early in the draft, just because like you saw with Lamar Jackson this year, it's very difficult to obtain value for those, those top quarterbacks, those top two quarterbacks, your Patrick Mahomes of the world, your Lamar Jackson's of the world. When you're drafting them in the third or, the, or fourth round, I think that a sweet spot where you can find some really good quarterbacks that have MVP potential is like right after those, elite talents uh dry up and they they get drafted uh you, you have like a group of guys that you know have a lot of upside and at the same time if they if they're superstars they have a pretty decent floor like this year uh that tier was kind of like the Deshaun Watsons um the Kyle Murray's Russell Wilson's um that kind of group around there that were being drafted in like the maybe fifth or sixth round yeah and we saw that Kyler Murray was like QB one for probably, I think the first 10 weeks, uh, weeks, pretty much the entire year until Josh Allen went crazy. Yeah. So Josh Allen was another guy that was, I think maybe a tier below them, but he was like yeah. right in the area. He said top 10 quarterback. We'll talk uh, about Josh Allen a little bit. <laughs> yeah. We got a lot to say about Josh. Allen. <laughs> Russell Wilson, obviously he, he just had a fantastic year all around. Didn't, didn't really have a very good end of his season, but like he, for the first half of the season, he was still, he was still on an MVP level, but like you, that's still getting that, that first half of the season is still very good value for a guy that you're, you're drafting like this fifth or sixth round. You're basically sacrificing a flex play unless you see very good value. 
in that area. But um, that's definitely my biggest takeaway personally for me from this season is not over, not overlooking those, those quarterbacks that get taken around that area. Yeah. Um, for the most part, I've really just waited until like the 10th or 11th round, grab my Matthew Stafford and just kind of hope for a QB 10 finish. And like, I could argue that if he didn't get hurt, he would have had, he, or uh, Kenny Galladay wasn't hurt as well. He would have been a QB one this year, but like, I'm not going to play that game. Yeah. But, um, Things happen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just, that was my, my biggest takeaway uh, for myself and then uh, losing value and still winning a trade. This applies. I feel like more so for younger players that are still haven't broken out. Like for a hundred percent. Yeah. Like this, you don't want to trade like, like, I don't know, like Cooper cup. You don't want to trade for like a Cooper cause someone who we know where they are, like, like a solid player, but nothing crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. This definitely applies more towards younger players. Think that's a good like <laughs> add into that because you don't want to just lose value for the on the trade for no reason but if you can do it kind of give yourself that unknown on your team then that can make a big difference absolutely so um i mean you, you mentioned with yourself i think you you got what three rookies in that trade dobbins Ayuk, and jonathan taylor all of which yes guys that were in kind of shady situations at the time jk dobbins was in a four-man committee jonathan taylor was just trying to fend off jordan wilkins um brennan Ayuk, i think that he was still no he wasn't hurt at the time he was just coming he was just starting i think he was a couple weeks in yeah. so um there was just a lot of uh mystery around those guys and obviously the the value for them was kind of not diminished but it wasn't as as high as it you could be given their talent like those are t- three elite talents um but yeah like obviously it's much more applicable for, for young players because you're, you're still kind of figuring out who they are as players as the season rolls on. Like Jonathan Taylor is a guy that we were writing off at week 11, week 12. When he hey, had that. hey, hey, we wrote him off. But at the same time, we always said there's still like, there's, a, I think we said like a percentage and we're like, there's a 5% chance that he can still end up being <laughs> that guy. Like that we always held out the slightest bit of hope because we know how good he was in college. Like there is a learning curve in the NFL. Like it is hard for these guys to show up and just dominate day one. Like that's what makes players like Justin Jefferson and Justin Herbert. And like these guys who just showed up in their very first game, they were just absolute beasts. It, it, it makes it that much more impressive because there is a learning curve. Like it's not easy to just show up in, in the NFL with no preseason, no nothing and just dominate. Like that does not happen often. And these guys did it in the toughest of circumstances. So those guys like Jefferson and Herbert and James Robinson, that just makes it way more impressive. But I mean, if you believe in a talent in college, you're probably going to believe it in the NFL. So yeah, that's, I I just love Jonathan Taylor. We we were both big fans of Jonathan Taylor for sure. Yeah. So let's move on to our next takeaway. Uh, Number seven, ride or die with your superstars. So um, this is a, this is another takeaway that, that, um, I learned throughout the season, just like, especially in the big games, like especially those those playoff games where everything's on the line, those week 13 games, winning your end, whatever, um, you, you just got to trust who got you there. And for me, uh, it was Justin Herbert going up against the, the, the Oakland Raiders week 15. 
Um, I was super sketched out with with the the kind of uses that he was getting with Austin Eckler in the lineup, and I completely overlooked the situation. Like he was playing literally dog water of Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders uh, defense, and I ended up benching him, benching him for Taysom Hill, and because of that, I ended up losing <laughs> in, in losing in the the semifinals week fifteen. Oh so um, yeah, so that happened. But um, that's just one situation where uh, you just got to ride or die with your guys. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure everybody has their story about benching ex-superstar for their, the Devontae Bookers of the world. Um, but, yeah, like, that, 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 is, that was a pretty big takeaway for me. Just, like, trusting your guys. Like, those are the guys that you trusted in the beginning of the season or you traded for probably traded large capital or significant capital to get that player maybe mid season. But those are the guys that you entrusted as one of your building blocks on your team. So um, at all times, you got to trust your, your superstars. Yeah, I definitely agree with this. Um, I mean, there's just going to be so many situations. Like you said, everyone's had these moments where they try to get cute and it just doesn't pay off. And it really, really like bites them in the butt, but um, yeah, you definitely want to ride with your superstars. This kind of goes back to talent. Like you want your best players playing in the biggest games of the season for you in fantasy football. So like, I feel like everything just ties back into like talent means the most like talent is super important and you want to play your most talented players. Like um, I said this multiple times, you gave this advice out a lot on Instagram, but people were asking like, Oh, Antonio Brown hasn't been great. Should I start Sterling Shepard over him? And at the end of the day, like I would rather bank on a guy that I know is going to be in the hall of fame than a player whose quarterback is Daniel Jones. I love Sterling Shepard, the player, but it is just very inconsistent. That was like one question that we got that I just uh, came to mind where it was like week 15 or something. And someone was considering benching, Antonio Brown for Sterling Shepard in like a 14 team league. And that is just, you want to play the most talented player. You want to play the player that honestly, like unless Sterling Shepard is getting a ridiculous amount of volume more than Antonio Brown, you want to be playing Antonio Brown in that scenario. Uh, just the talent, the, the superstars are the guys that end up producing. That's why they're so they're superstars. They produce consistently. So that's, uh, it's definitely a big takeaway there. Um, talking about number eight, this is offensive philosophy can change and this goes to coaching it goes to the player themselves being able to improve um this happens all over the place and i have two examples here um one is obviously with the buffalo bills josh allen stefan Diggs. they were a run heavy offense last year josh allen was pretty inefficient as a quarterback he was not super accurate and um john brown cole beasley they were still there they drafted gabriel davis they brought in zach moss it looked like it was going to be a pretty diluted offense where they weren't going to be super target heavy on one guy and they also were not going to throw the ball that much they were third i believe in the league in passing attempts last year so this just looked honestly like like a low ceiling offense overall similar to the way it was the year before and no it was we were completely wrong brian dable proved that he's a good offensive coordinator he adjusted to the personnel that they had. That, that's one thing that completely slipped my mind is they gave up a first round pick to trade for Stephon Diggs, who is a superstar receiver talent. We've acknowledged this time and time again. Um, and it did not register with me that they could potentially, like they gave up that capital in order to change what they were doing because obviously what they were doing the year before was not fully working. So that is just one thing. Offensive philosophy can change. Uh, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs were both insane values in their in like in fantasy drafts this year. 
uh, pretty much studs through and through. Josh Allen had like a few down games, but I mean, he ended up as the QB one overall, like the QB one. That is how good Josh Allen was. Um, insanely, insanely talented dude. There's a reason why this is the reason why I believe in the Buffalo Bills big time this year. Um, going into the playoffs, I do think they can do really well, although that Colts matchup is a little intriguing. Um, so that's obviously one scenario. And then another one is Ronald Jones. Um, people didn't believe Bruce Arians would stick with Ronald Jones. He didn't stick him the year before, but players do improve throughout seasons. Like John, Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones, Ronald Jones did get better as the season went on last year. And we saw him build upon that and really take off this year. So obviously Bruce Arians, like he store historically was probably going to favor Leonard Fournette, but um if you did follow this podcast, you did know that we thought Ronald Jones was one hell of a talent as a player, as a runner between the tackles. He still needs work as a receiving back, but as a runner between the tackles, he is one of probably the better players in the entire league. So they're one of the better running backs. Um, but yeah, that's just the offensive philosophy can change. Like players can improve. Coaches can improve their offenses and build around the talent that they have. It's not always going to be a they did X last year. So they're going to do Y this year scenario. Like it's not a straight line equation. Things change throughout the off season. So definitely one place we need to learn. I know I was really low on Allen and Diggs. Just uh, there needs to be context given to every single situation. And then once you take all that context in, then maybe uh, the process will be a little bit better and you'll increase your chances of doing well in fantasy. Yeah. Those are definitely two situations that stick out. Um, another one that really, really sticks out for me is uh, the Minnesota Vikings passing offense. So last year they were very successful. I think they were either 12 and, 12 and four or 11 and three uh, as a team. So uh, they didn't have to pass the ball too much. They ended up only throwing the ball 466 times, which is sounds like a lot, but it's very low for a team's total pass attempts throughout the season. I think it was second in the league beside, uh, besides the Baltimore Ravens. And this year – their, their team was not as good as last year. And we kind of overlooked the, the opportunity there was for a wide receiver to or an, an, another receiver to emerge out of the situation because we saw Stephon Diggs, even with Adam Thielen out for, I think, six to eight weeks mm-hmm. uh, in 2019, he only had 94 total targets on the season. So our thoughts were that there was no way that any other receiver besides Adam Thielen could be fantasy relevant outside of um in in for the vikings lo and behold they ended up throwing the ball i think 482 or 582 times no no 516 it was like a full like 75 more attempts at least on the year oh this is the yeah so they 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 increased a significant amount what is that 516 divided Mm -hmm. by uh 466 that's something like i don't know maybe 20 percent no somewhere between but it was a it was a big enough chunk i mean if you're adding 60 something targets in a like a concentrated offense it's a big deal 15 to 20 percent that that's a significant amount and definitely enough to create another uh pass or another pass catcher fantasy relevant pass catcher and that's exactly what happened with justin jefferson uh, alongside adam Thielen. so those were two guys that was another situation that stuck out two guys that um definitely were fantasy relevant this season and um, definitely were in need of some context um, for, for their lack of pass attempts. Yeah, season. I, I 100% agree. I think it was a, it was a big uh, miss on our part that – I mean, I was down on Adam Thielen too. Like, I just did not like the entire Minnesota Vikings offense that much. Um, 
they showed out. Their, their offense was really, really good this year. The problem was the defense. I think also one thing that played into that was the fact that their defense was just not good at all, especially early on. So if you have a team that maybe doesn't throw the ball that much, but their defense is not very good, they're going to be playing catch up at some points throughout games, then that definitely uh, will impact their pass attempts. And I think that had a lot to do with the increase in volume. But yeah, I mean, you definitely want to take into context uh, how much a team is probably going to be throwing. Um, it's actually kind of crazy looking at the pass attempts here. The Cincinnati Bengals only finished with 581 passing attempts. Um, that's wild because in the middle of the year, they were on pace for 770 with Joe Burrow. So they really just like, as soon as Burrow got hurt, they really toned it down. So I think that's going to open up a buy window for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals receivers, specifically guys like T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I'm not buying really anybody else there, but yeah, no uh, offensive philosophy can change. And, it really, really has a big, big impact. So nine and 10 here to takeaways are going to be pretty much opposite sides of the spectrum. We'll talk about number nine first. The older the running back, the riskier they're going to get. Now, this doesn't apply for everybody. I mean, Derrick Henry is going to be, what, 27 next year. Um, I'm not going to be fading Derrick Henry in the slightest. Will I draft him in the first round of my drafts? Maybe I personally won't, but I won't advise somebody else from going away from Derrick Henry because he, he's one of those running backs that he's literally just different. Like it's, it's hard to describe. It's hard to put context to it, but he's just so good. The situation works so well and he is dominant. Like he is really, he's showcased how dominant he is, but running backs like Leonard Fournette, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, Raheem Mostert, um, they all underwhelmed and for whatever reason it could have been injury it could have been team injury it could have been lack of performance like for whatever reason they all really underwhelmed based upon what we thought they could have been um I just think the older running back gets the less likely they are to be super consistent they're they're gonna have good games they're gonna have bad games um but I don't think they're gonna be guys that you can rely on to get that highly productive like 15 to 20 plus touch workload every single week um that's just how I feel about it I think older running backs honestly are some of the riskiest propositions in fantasy football because there is that risk of injury there is that risk of like soft tissue there is the risk of falling off there is the risk of really just not being able to overcome the situation around you the way that other younger running backs can um so yeah that's just one thing that really stuck out to me i think i probably will start to avoid older running backs more often i was really big on melvin gordon this year um, I, I mean, he was okay. He had solid games. He had a few games where he was really, really good, but not someone that you wanted to rely on. He wasn't consistent. There was a lot of like, you want consistency in fantasy football, especially at the running back position if possible. Um, and the variance that these guys give the older guys, like, I, I don't want it. I don't want to deal with it because I don't know when to start them and then start and sit decisions become more stressful every single week. And it's just less, it's honestly less fun to own these run, older running backs. Like I kind of like to gravitate towards the younger running backs. I just think they, they can do more, honestly. That's just how I feel. I 100% agree. Um, you know, with, with the older running backs, you said it, like, it just it, it's going to be less consistent for the older running backs because uh, playing the running back position is – it takes a lot of wear and tear on your body. And when you get to that age 27, age 28, like when you're at like five seasons – through it uh probably averaging around 250 touches a season mm -hmm. um it's a lot on on your body and um unless you're you're sculpted by gods like derrick henry is um <laughs> it's it's very difficult to to continue that consistency like through your late 20s and possibly into your your early 30s and it's no knock to the talents that that 
these running backs have. It's just the it's it's it just sucks. The situation just sucks. But uh, you just have to like um, you just have to adjust to it. And like going with those those young players, the first year, second year, third year guys, um, it's just more fun. Like it, you get more electricity. That more big plays happen mm-hmm. uh, because it's a just, lot of unknowns. Yeah. Like, like I'm not, I'm not going to say that I know who's the most talented player. Like I love DeAndre Swift coming out. Um, also like, I, I really like this rookie running back class. Honestly, I just really thought they were really good. We, but... we should transition to uh, the, the 10th last one. Mm-hmm. It's a good transition to get, to go into the last uh, point, which is. Yeah. Like you never know like how good these rookies are going to be. So that, that was, that's how I was going to lead into the 10th point. Like rookies, especially if you believe in the talent in college, this is why playing dynasty can really give you like an upper hand. You know, these players coming in, like, you know what you think about them coming into the league. And if you think they're a really talented player, then you're able to kind of understand what they could potentially be in the NFL. Like, like playing dynasty this past year, I was more introduced to Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson, like JK Dobbins, um, Ronald Jones is another player that I really like, but he wasn't a rookie, but like these players, they, these, they possess this kind of unknown upside where once they get to the league and if the team commits to them, then there is a ridiculous amount of upside to be had in fantasy football. Like you saw it with JK Dobbins down the stretch. JK Dobbins was like a consistent 15, 16 points for five straight weeks. Once Mark Ingram was a healthy scratch. Like he, he proved he could be a reliable fantasy asset. Jonathan Taylor, you know what Jonathan Taylor did down the stretch definition of a league winner. He was literally fantastic regardless of the matchup. Um, Antonio Gibson, a guy that didn't really show out in the playoffs, but he did a fantastic job of getting you there. Um, just a really, really talented player. And these are all players that at one point throughout the season, people were unsure if they even want to have them on their rosters. That is just what happens. Um, these players, the workload is a little bit inconsistent. And I think if someone is kind of like on the edge or on the fence about, do I even want to have this rookie on my bench? Like, are they worth it? Should I drop them? Always buy every single time buy, because even if it doesn't work out, even if you, I mean, you're probably going to get them at a really, really cheap cost because there's, there's a lack of patience in fantasy football. Like if, if there's three to four weeks of lack of production, like it is really hard to say, I'm going to hold on to this guy. And Tyler, I know you did a fantastic job of that with DeAndre Swift in our per- like our home league, because I would text you maybe every single week, like, yo, Swift, where's Swift? Let me get some Swift. And you always said, no, no, no. That guy is going to be an RB1 for a certain like period. You said, I think he can be an RB1 at some point. And it wasn't consistent because the Lions just are a fucking abomination of an organization. But like he showed out in the games where he was given the opportunity to like, he had two to three games where he won you your week. That is how good he was. Um, I just think rookies, it's just so easy to buy them. Like even a guy like Cam Akers, he didn't ultimately pan out, but you were able to like pick him up off waivers or trade. Like, I don't even know. Like you could trade legitimate garbage to get Cam Akers in the middle of the year. And if you just held on to that, like going into the playoffs, he was looking like a real league winner. And then he sprained his ankle against the New York jets, which obviously was very unfortunate. But these players, like, especially, I mean, with receivers too, um, it, it, can, it can happen at any given time. Like, the breakout can happen. Once, the, once it clicks, it's over. And these, these young, talented players, they, they run the NFL to a certain extent. Like, they are, they are the guys that really just change a team's outlook, a franchise's outlook. And it happened this year. This rookie class was, like, better than any other class I think I've seen in a long, long time, uh, especially since I've been playing fantasy. Like, I mean, this, this class is just ridiculous. Like Justin Jefferson, 
best rookie receiver of all time. Justin Herbert, best rookie quarterback of all time. Jonathan Taylor, probably like a top 10 rookie running back performance. Uh, James Robinson, best undrafted rookie. Uh, Antonio Gibson literally played receiver in college, and he now looks like a franchise running back for the Washington football team. Like, this class was just insane, and I'm just naming a few of them. But this could also be the case next year. I think this next year's class, especially at the – every position but running back, but even running back, they're still pretty okay. Uh, Every position but running back, they're really freaking good next year too. So it it could happen again. Like, if if these organizations commit to the young talent that they drafted in the draft, it can be huge for fantasy football. That is just – like, buying young players is always a good thing in fantasy football, in my opinion. And I think these organizations will kind of build off of this year by committing to those, those young players moving forward because they, they see the production that they can, they can, they can produce like right off the bat. And, um, you know, I think this, this goes to show that like players are just getting better overall. Like the, the, the talent level is just increasing as time goes on. That's just evolution. But um, you, you're seeing it with, with this year, like guys came in, we talked about a lot in the off season that, uh, receivers would be less reliable um, in their rookie seasons than, than the running backs, because it's more of a learning curve for the, for the receivers and kind of going head to head against the running back or the cornerbacks. Um, just like getting up to game speed is much more difficult as a receiver than it is in a running back. But they, the, this rookie class completely proved us wrong because the receivers were the first ones that kind of go out and show out first. Definitely. And then the running backs kind of started out slow for the most part, besides Clyde Edwards, Laird, who had a different trajectory for uh, <laughs> several reasons. Um, but they started out slow, kind of uh, displayed uncertainty. And then they, they just kind of popped off. Like DeAndre Swift had a stretch. Jonathan Taylor had his league winning stretch. Cam Akers had his two or three games before getting hurt. Um, like these, these studs really broke out during the second half of the season when everything started to slow down for them. And um, yeah, I mean, they definitely displayed the talent that they have and just something to build off of uh, going into 2021. Um, yeah, just like tr- trust the rookies, honestly. That, that's what it comes down to because yeah. especially these top tier guys, uh, they're, they're definitely extremely talented. And this, this wide receiver class in specific um, – the tight end class as well is very talented. So um, I would not hesitate to trust them early on, even in, in redraft leagues. Yeah. You definitely want to have like, I mean, it's like a general rule of thumb. I want to say like two to three rookies just on your team, whether you have them as like the high upside rookies, like you're drafting them early, like rounds four and five, or just like a, like upside stash on the bench, because you never know. Like we, we can do all these talent evaluations and, like I can do all these film breakdowns and rookie spotlights, but I don't know ultimately who's going to be good in the NFL, but you, I, you, you want to have one of those lottery tickets on your bench because if you hit, I mean, you won the lottery. Congratulations. You have a much better fantasy team than you previously anticipated. So that's just really, those are our takeaways from this year. I think this year was a big, big learning experience for us as like a fantasy football page, fantasy football podcast. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a ton of stuff that we're going to be able to apply. Like this is a post and these concepts are things that we're going to remember moving forward that can ultimately end up helping us become better fantasy football players, which is the ultimate goal here. Uh, you want to win your league and you have by, by being a better fantasy football player, you can end up winning your league. Um, in terms of 
releasing podcasts. I guess it's going to be every single Thursday now. Tyler, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, the schedule is kind of loose, but it's going to be one podcast a week, like talking about Dynasty, talking about rookies, talking about um, potential playoff uh, outlook. I know we wanted to get to playoffs today, but it really doesn't seem like we're going to have that much time. So one thing that I do want to say regarding playoffs is don't overreact in terms of fantasy. Um, don't overreact to what happens in the playoffs because, I mean, you've seen it before. Damian Williams, Raheem Mostert, like these guys, do they break out and they have a great stretch? But that doesn't mean you should be drafting them in the second round next year. Um, so we'll see what ends up happening in the playoffs. But I'm not going to try to overreact. I think the 17-game sample size that we just had is much more important than the two or three games that we're going to see in the playoffs. People could break out in the playoffs, but I don't really want to buy into that too much. We'll talk about it after for sure. We'll see, like, what's real, what's not. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see what ends up happening in the playoffs. I honestly, for one, don't really know. Tyler, what you got? Uh, let's just go through this list real quick. Colts or Bills at, at Buffalo? Bills. I'm going with Bills as well. I think the Colts can make it interesting on the ground, like running the ball. But Josh Allen versus Phillip Rivers, didn't think I would get to this point. But I think that is a – he's Josh Allen is blowing Rivers out of the water there. So I think, Yeah, I think he's going to make it a game, and then Phillip Rivers is going to do Phillip Rivers things and kind of blow it at the end. Yeah. So, um, that's just yeah. my opinion. I'll go Bills. Yeah. Uh, Rams at Seahawks. Seahawks. Yeah. I, I mean, there's too much uncertainty with the, the, the Rams. No Rams Jared suck. Dog. Fuck the Rams. Yeah. Uh, Buccaneers at Washington. I'm going Bucks, And I know it, that, yeah. that's actually going to be an interesting game. I think it'll be pretty good, but I think the Bucks are legit. Yeah, I think that Washington gives them a fight early on, but then uh, Tom Brady starts to do um, – Tom Brady things. What, yeah, what he was put on this Wait, earth. fun fact. I was uh, watching ESPN earlier, and they released, like, their quarterback rankings, and Lamar Jackson was ahead of Tom Brady. Tom Brady was like sixth or seventh on their quarterback rankings for the playoffs. Hmm. When will these people learn? That's what I want to know. Like, if you told me right now that the Bucs won the Super Bowl, I would not be shocked. They're probably like the fourth or fifth most likely team to do so. But anyways, continue. Uh, yeah, Ravens at Tennessee Titans. I'm going to Ravens. Ooh. Ooh, I don't blame you, but I'm, I'm sticking with the Titans. I'm sticking with Derrick Henry, my guy. Uh, Chicago Bears at New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. That was an easy one. And then Browns uh, at the Steelers. Um, I'm going to go Steelers here. I think it's going to be a good game, but I think losing Kevin Stefanski and more importantly, honestly, losing Joel Betonio against the Steelers front seven. Like, I mean, they lost night probably like a big chunk of their run game. And if you can't run the ball with Baker Mayfield, you lost. So yeah. I, I think the Steelers there. I think that Stefanski was the biggest loss for them just because he's he's really done wonders for this team. Like, first He's a good time, coach. Yeah, he, I think he's a great coach. Um, first time they've made the playoffs in, what, 18 years? Yeah, yeah. something like that. It's, it's, it's been a long time coming. Um, so that get, what, is, what does that get us to in, like, the second round? That gives us uh, – uh, I'm going to have to do the seating. So I can't – It'd be Bills, Bills, Steelers, uh, Chiefs versus Ravens or Titans – um this is all right so um so that would mean Steelers versus the Bills yeah I'm going Bills there and then Tennessee or Tennessee slash Baltimore versus uh the Chiefs I really want to take Baltimore but I can't 
Uh, you still got to go Chiefs there. And then on the other side, it would be. It would be Saints and Seahawks, Bucks be, and Packers. Yeah, Bucks and Packers, Saints and Seahawks. I'm going to go, ooh. That Bucks Packers game would be incredible. Because last time, but, uh, Packers got smacked in the mouth. Like they, like, they it got was bad. It was bad. They had like a 28 point second quarter. The Bucks did. Yeah. Um, that would be wow for Aaron Rodgers' legacy to be able to hypothetically beat Tom Brady and then go and beat one uh, of either Drew Brees or Russell Wilson and then go and play against most likely Patrick Mahomes. If he's able to complete that, he's rising up in the top, uh, top 10 rankings for sure. Um, yeah, that's going to be one hell of a story for Aaron Rodgers. Um, long story short, I don't want to pick every single matchup. I do think the Bucks have a fantastic, not, not the Bucks. Uh, the Packers have a fantastic chance of winning the Super Bowl. And if it's Packers Chiefs, I am taking the Packers. That is my hot take of this entire podcast. I think the Packers win the Super Bowl. As much as I don't love the Packers, I think it's very, very possible. But if they do lose, I think it'll be to the Bucks. So yeah, it'll be round two. I was going to say, I, I have the Bucks coming out of the NFC. I think I, st- I said that. I think we both said that uh, when they got Antonio Brown, but I'm just kind of sticking with it. I don't know. I, I just like Brady with this this talented receiver core. Mm-hmm. This the front seven is still very good. I think that Devin White is still on the COVID list, unfortunately. Oh, he actually just got activated like thirty minutes ago. I like while we were recording this. I thought that somebody else got uh, activated. It was him and Shaq Barrett. No, I, Devin White got uh, is still on the list. I'm pretty sure, and Dev or er, Shaq Barrett was taken off. Is that what it was? That might have been it. You might be right, but um. I think whoever wins that Bucks Packers game makes it to the Super Bowl and ultimately wins. I, I think I think the Chiefs, uh, for as good as they've been, I mean their record is fantastic. What fourteen and two, fifteen and one. Um, I, I something about this team just rubs me the wrong way, and I don't know what it is. It might be the fact that Mahomes has sixteen dropped interceptions this year. It might be the fact that their offensive line is not great. I mean their weapons are insane, um, but they don't look the same to me that they looked last year. Uh, defensively, I don't think they have that chip on their shoulder, which obviously it, it could come to play playoff time. Like these guys are some dogs. Tyron Matthews, a dog. Frank Clark's a dog. Chris Jones, a dog. But um, I don't know. Something, something tells me that the Chiefs might not do it this year. Maybe that's just my own intuition rooting against them. But we'll see. Whatever, they, whatever happens this season, I am completely fine with. I'm happy we got football. I'm happy we had a full fantasy season without many games postponed oh, yeah. or whatever. And I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, this is one of the few playoffs where I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I did not think that we would be here as far as like having a full season. I was like, before the season, I was thinking to myself, like, how do we get to week five? Like <laughs> everything that's going, like everything that's going on, uh, Roger Goodell being the commissioner, I, I just didn't know how they, they, they would pull it off. And lo and behold, we're here, had a few postponements, but all in all, it, everything worked out. Um, so we're still working on the playoffs, but, um, barring any, any significant outbreak there, they should be able to play throughout all the games. And, um, yeah, definitely grateful for that because like I, like I said, I did not think that we would be here. Yeah. Good, good season all around. Very impressive from the NFL, honestly. And I mean, 
We got our first full fantasy season in the books, and now it is time for the offseason grind. So stay tuned for YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I don't know what else, what other social media outlet we could possibly use. Maybe even TikTok if we decide to get crazy. Uh -oh. but I mean, hey, anything is possible. Honestly, at this point, anything is possible. So we'll see. But once again, for you guys listening, the few people listening to this, thank you. Um, we are extremely uh, grateful for the audience that we have um whatever audience that might be but yeah it's it's been a super fun ride and is only going to get better from here on out the off-season content should be elite um we're gonna make it as good as we can as accurate as we can and that wraps up our 10 takeaways podcast if you don't follow us already make sure to follow us on instagram at first take fantasy just those three words no spaces or anything just at first take fantasy and here we'll be posting a ton of rookie spotlights where we talk about the 2021 draft class how they fit how you should be valuing them already and we also drop some dynasty content to keep you prepared for the nfl and free agency this year